1: as we always do speaking with prayer Father thank you for this incredible congregation and thank you for what you have done what you have wrought Lord apart from you we can do nothing but by you and through you we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and lord as you have strengthened and built this ministry we know that you have a plan going forward and we ask now that you'd settle hearts and minds that you would speak through the power of your word, Lord, use us for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. As you take your seats, would you take out your Bible? If you turn to 2 Kings, we're really going to look at the first 10 or 11 verses just kind of in a tertiary manner, but I want to begin by saying that it's been Connie and I's deepest and most grand privilege to pastor this church for the last seven and a half years. But this church was never our church. It's always been the Lord's church. And as Pastor Steve and Gail laid a foundation and Connie and I came along and had a part, so will Pastor Chet and Andrea take up the task of building the walls of this city, this wonderful ministry that belongs to the Lord Jesus. And while it's true that God uses men and God speaks through people, it is his church, it is his word, and it is his voice that we desire to hear. In chapter 2 of 2 Kings we find this and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal. Now I want to tell you I don't believe I'm going to heaven anytime soon but there is a word for us in this passage that I want to share with you. And I want you to see something very specifically about this passage because at this point in time, Elijah has been a prophet in the land and Elisha is about to take over. He's about to receive the mantle because throughout history, when God has called someone into a ministry, there's only one leader. There can only be one pastor of a church. There can't be two. There has to be one. And at this point in time, Elisha's not really all that happy about what's going to happen next. And then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. It is the Lord's plans that we seek to cause to come to pass if we're really desiring for his kingdom to come and his will to be done then we want the will of the Lord to occur with every church, with every believer, every occasion. And so here, Elijah has been spoken to by the Lord. But Elijah isn't really thrilled about the plan, and we can see that in what happens next. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now I want you to notice, he's saying, I'm not going to do that. And so the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, yes, but shut up. (laughs) I don't want to hear that. I'm not interested in that response. That's not what I want to hear right now. You cannot take away Elijah. My plan is we're going to do this thing together. And I want you to notice the gentleness with which the Lord deals with them. And so we see in verse 6, Elijah said to him, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And the two of them went on. What was God's plan, church? One. What was man's plan? God had a plan. Sometimes we don't like God's plans. And sometimes we don't see God's plans. Sometimes we even don't accept God's plans. Sometimes we get in the way of God's plans. But it is always best if we will yield to God's plans. Always best. It's best for us individually and it's best for us corporately as the church. And the rest of the story is very clear. You can see it from verse 7 all the way really to verse 10. And the two of them, or they. And Elijah takes his mantle and he strikes the water. And if you turn your attention now to verse 8, and Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so when it was that they had crossed over... That Elijah said to Elijah, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. You see, Elijah's heard the Lord. He knows he's going, he's on his way. Now he happens to be going to heaven. And Elijah said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Elijah, whatever you did, now we can think back on his life. He slays the prophets of Baal. Pretty strong testimony of the Lord in his life. There had been lots of things that had been accomplished. And the Lord received the glory for all of them. But he asked for a double portion. Now, I don't know what a double portion of me is going to accomplish for anyone, but we'll just, we'll just say a double portion of the Lord's spirit and whatever that's worth coming out of me. That was the one thing that Elisha asked for. He says, nevertheless, it's a hard thing. And ultimately, right before his eyes, Elijah's taken up. Chet, whatever I have, whatever is useful for the kingdom, for the king, for you, for Andrea, both Connie and I pledge to give you whatever we have that will help you in what lies ahead. It is our joy. It is our privilege. But the mantle had to be passed for the waters to be divided. There had to be one leader. That mantle today is being passed from one leader to the next leader. It's been our great joy. I told all of you, you may have watched it online, that there would come a time as Chet and Andrea and Connie and I were driving our vehicles down the freeway of life and ministry together that there would be an off-ramp one day. That off-ramp is today. Connie and I will be taking the exit and Chet and Andrea are going to come alongside and they will run the race with you. Our history is long together and our history is strong together. We've been serving together in ministry for the better part of 20 years. I have stayed in their home. You've stayed in our home. We've ministered all over the world together. We've taught at conferences together and I am utterly confident that Pastor Chet is the man that God has called to lead this great ministry into the future. And it is my honor and is my privilege to turn the mantle over to him. Because I know he will do what needs to be done. And I know he will be the pastor that will love you. We need some new vision. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh fire. And I'm sure just as Elijah got to that time when he was about to be taken up into heaven, he was both joyful for what God had done and he was expectant of what God will do. And I and Connie as well, we are very expectant of what the Lord will do in the future. Our desire is to finish well. And while we're not going to be engaged in the way that we have been engaged in the past, you will still see us from time to time here wandering around the church. We're about to launch a discipleship school. My plan is to teach at that. We'll be taking our tour to Israel. We're going to do that together, which will be really fun. But it's time to pass the mantle. And so, would you all stand? I'm going to invite Connie and Andrea to come up and join Chet and I, if you would come, please. Without these two ladies, um, neither Chet nor I would be who we are. I'm also going to invite the board of Calvary Chapel South Bay as well as our pastoral staff to come up. They're going to join us here.
2: The church, um, I would like to invite some of the leaders from Coast Hills Church who have come today in solidarity with our church to lay hands and pray along with us. And so. Um, would you guys, see, uh, wives come forward as well as, Amen. uh, my family is here. If you guys would come on up, at least Maybe some not. of my family is here. Not everybody. Yeah.
1: Timon, yep. you coming? Timon's there coming. We go. There's room. Oh no. Keep coming. <laughs> squeeze in, squeeze around, get close.
2: And I want to say how thankful I am for, um, the leaders here at Calvert Chapel South Bay, the leaders at Coast Hills Church, because I can truly say we've done this together and purposed to honor God. So, church, would you welcome the leaders from Coast Hills Church? You know, you. A Put some hands
1: on somebody. Let's do what scripture says to so lay hands and pray and ask for God's blessing. Would you join us? Reach out, be part of what God's doing right now. Father, Father in heaven, Lord, this is your church and we are your people. Lord, we ask for the fullness of your anointing to fall afresh and new on Pastor Chet and Andre, their whole family. Lord, All the leaders that are on this stage, but especially for Pastor Chad. Lord, as he takes that rolled up mantle and he will be the one to next slap the Jordan. Lord, we ask that you would part the sea before him. That you would anoint his mind and his heart. That you'd shield him from heaven. That no weapon fashioned against him would prosper. That every good and perfect gift, your desire would flow down from you, our Father of lights, to his heart and to his mind. Would you make great provision for all things? Lord, would you open up the door of revival in Los Angeles through this man? Would you indeed do greater things than you have ever done before in this church? Lord, would this facility not be big enough for the things that you want to do? God, would you open up? New doors of opportunity all around the world. God, would you cause Chet to fall on his face before you every day and be thankful? Lord, anoint him. Lord, would you give him what he's asked? Give him a double portion. Lord, not of me, a double portion of you, Jesus. Would he be like you? And so, Lord, we lift he and Andrea before your throne of grace. Would you be merciful and kind and gentle? Would you take every burden on your own shoulders and carry it for them? And would you bless this church as we move forward into the future with a fire of revival that begins this moment that cannot be extinguished until you come, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you welcome your new pastor, Pastor Chad and Andrea? All right, we're we're gonna try and all get off the stage without harming one another. It's like the march yeah. And Pastor Chad is now gonna share from the Word, first message as a senior pastor. <laughs> continuing the great tradition.
2: Continuing the great tradition of this church. Am I on now? There we go. Continuing the great tradition of this church, we're going to open our Bibles. And we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, as well as 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Once again, let me give you those areas of Scripture. It is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and then we are going to be in 1 Thessalonians. Now, some of you are concerned, two pastors, two sermons, you should be. Once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and then we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Would you go with me to the Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts? Father, we are truly thankful for the great grace of God that you have bestowed on Calvary Chapel South Bay over the history of almost four decades of people loving God and loving people. And my prayer is that we enter into this new season that the power of your spirit would fall fresh on each and every one of us. That we would be dependent on you and who you are and what you have for us. That you'd guide our way. Direct our steps. And help us to see and to know Jesus Christ. And him alone. It's in your name we pray as a church we all say, Amen. Amen. I want to thank God for Pastor Jeff's close to four decades of testimony. It didn't just start here. Oh no, it started many years ago. All the way back to Calvary Chapel Vista, Hungary. And I can go on and on and list how he has purposed to build and advance the kingdom of God. It's been my privilege for close to 20 years to have him as a mentor, to have him as a brother, to have him as a friend. In fact, when my brother died, he flew from where he was, he was there in the house the day that we got the news. You see, I remember when I moved to California, my mom said to me, whatever you do, stick close to Jeff Gill. And I'm so thankful that I followed my mother's faithful advice. Amen? Amen. But Pastor Jeff's has got a reputation. He has a reputation of honoring God. He has a reputation of serving the Lord. And his reputation didn't begin yesterday. It's been decades of a decision to follow God each and every day. Jesus, at the end of his life, he said something so profound. In John 17, 4, he said this, I've glorified you on earth. Listen to his testimony. I've glorified you on earth. I did what you asked me to do. The great apostle Paul, he would say this at the end of his life. I have fought the good fight of faith. That didn't happen overnight. It was a series of a lifetime of decisions that he was able to say as his testimony, I fought the good fight of faith. Do you know that each and every one of you are building your testimony with every decision of faith that you make with each and every day? And as you build your testimony, do you realize that we as a church are building our testimony at Calvary Chapel, South Bay? And the question is, what are we known for? What decisions have we made? Well, if we look back into church history, we know that churches have reputations. In fact, there are seven famous churches in the book of Revelation. You know them. We can go through the entire list of them. There were things about them in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation that Jesus took the time to commend them for, and there were things about the church that needed to change. Jesus wasn't afraid to inform them of the things that he approved of, and he was not afraid to inform them of the things that needed to change. After all, it's his church. He died for you. We're his sheep. We are his bride. And the Apostle Paul would say in speaking of the bride and the husband that the husband's responsibility is to wash his wife with the cleansing of the water of the word. Husbands, we should be speaking the word of God to our wives in the same way that Jesus spoke the word of God to these seven churches. He's the chief shepherd. He's the husband. He's the one that died for the church. And like Pastor Jeff said last week, the answer to the question, why you have forsaken me, is just simply insert your name. God forsook Jesus for Chet. While Andre and I were away, you see, we, we had a family vacation and then after we did vacation with the kids, Andre and I went a little away for a few days and we floated down a river in Montana, got to catch some fish. And while we were there, we were talking to each other and I asked my wife, what do you want me to pray for in this new season? And she gave me her answer and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Ladies, you're going to have to come to Women's Bible Study to hear it. But I'm going to let you know mine. I looked at my wife and I said this, I want you to pray that we have a church that Jesus wants to come to. You see, at the end of talking to the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, do you know what he said? He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now I know we use this as an evangelistic verse, but he's speaking sanctification to the church. He's saying, I'm knocking on the door of the church. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him, dine with him, and he with me. You see, I don't want Jesus knocking outside of Calvary Chapel, South Bay. I want him inside dining with us. I want him to be in our midst. I want to answer the knocking of the door, and I want him to be here and want to come to our church. Now, let me tell you something. There's some churches he don't want to go to. I'm not going to list them. But I know one thing you'll know. There will be a character about the church that Jesus is in the midst of. You see, if I'm going to invite the president of the United States of America to my house, I'm taking out fine China. Now, I might put my Bahamian placemats down because I want him to know I'm an immigrant. I got my American citizenship because I answered the question, who was the first president of the United States of America? Some of you were just born into it. You see... I would have my fine china, I'd have my silver out. If we had silver, I would have silver out, but I would probably go get silver because the President of the United States, there's a character about you if he was to come to your house. Now, when my kids come, I take out paper plates. I take out plasticware because I know they're going to leave and I'm going to be stuck with the dishes. There's a character about when my family is there that's a lot more lax than there would be if the president there, in the same way, when Jesus comes to dine, there's going to be a character about that dinner. And let me tell you what that character is going to look like. Faith, hope, and love. Say it with me. Faith, hope, and love. Would you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Let me prove this point to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now abide. Understand that word in just a moment. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And now abide. This word means remains. Remains. It means dwells. It means lives. It means continually. In other words, there were day-by-day decisions that continued, and those day-by-day decisions will build a reputation, and the reputation that you're to be building, continuing in, abiding in, dwelling in, is faith, hope, love. And a church a church that Jesus doesn't just knock outside but come and sits in the midst is filled with faith, hope, and love. Let me prove it to you. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter one. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is commending the church. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter one, look at this church in verse three. Remembering without ceasing. In other words, I know your testimony. Your work of faith, labor of love, Patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Works of faith, labor of love, endurance of hope. They were commended for having the character of Jesus in their midst. And Calvary Chapel, South Bay, we would do well to follow the church in Thessalonica as they chose to follow Christ. So let's take a look real quickly at those three words. The first word is faith. Would you say it? Faith. There's two things about faith. I believe that we are to take steps of faith as a church, and I believe we are to be stewards of faith. Steps of faith? Well, of course, Scripture commands us that we're to walk by faith, but steps of faith can seem risky. I mean, didn't God call you to Africa? I mean, I like Los Angeles. I love Gardena and Torrance. I mean, San Pedro is my home. Please, I just want to stay here. Aren't steps of faith risky? Think of Noah. Do you imagine when God showed up and said to him, build an ark? A what? It's going to rain. Excuse me? And Noah built that ark. For 120 years, think of the shock and surprise when the animals started marching in two by two. Think of Moses. You see, Moses was told by God, go out into the Red Sea and put your stick in the water. Excuse me? You see, I think we read the Bible as if we think that Moses knew what was about to happen. Well, Moses knew that the water was going to part. Moses was crying out to God, we're going to die. And you brought us out here to die. And God says, go put your stick in the water. Excuse me? Do you know there's Egyptians behind us? There's mountains and Red Sea in front of us. you want me to go put my stick in the water? But you know what Moses did? He put his stick in the water. And you know what these stories have in common? Do you know what the key ingredient is? Do you know why they took steps of faith? Because they heard the word of God. And when the word of God spoke to them, they took steps of faith. And that's why I believe we're to be stewards of faith. Romans chapter 10 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And even though faith may seem risky, it actually isn't. Let me tell you what the real risk is. The real risk is not knowing the word of God. The real risk is knowing the word of God and not doing anything with it. You see, we here at Calvary Chapel, South Bay, we've got to be faithful to the word of God. Look at Abraham. I'll read it for you. It's Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith chapter. Hebrews eleven eight. eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. In other words, God spoke to him to the place which he would receive his inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Think of Abraham decided, I'm not doing it. I am not going to the land of Canaan. I am not going to take the promise of God. No, he was a steward of faith, and he went out. Listen to what the Bible says of Abraham in Rome, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 20. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened by faith, giving glory to God. Church, in the 21st century, it is time for the church to stand by faith it is time for calvary chapel south bay to continue building off of the foundation that's been laid by pastor jeff and pastor steve mays and for us to continue to learn the word of god and to live the word of god that is faith our second word is the word hope And I believe we're to be people of hope. And I believe that we are to share our hope. Listen to what the Bible says. Now listen, you'll see it on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Now, no one send me an email. I know this New Living Translation, it's like a commentary, but it helps us understand what Paul is writing. Would you take a look at the screen? Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Excuse me, I'll read from the NLT. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us all our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Well, wait a second. You can wait patiently and confidently. What does the word hope actually mean? Well, I think I need to describe the difference between secular hope and biblical hope. You see, with as many times as I have messed up, I should have been a weatherman. Because a weatherman can be wrong 80% of the time and keep their job. It's why we've developed the saying, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope it doesn't rain. Because we don't know if the weather person has been telling us the truth or not. I mean, weather people are just like politicians. You're always in wonder. What? Are they saying the truth? Is that really what's happening? So we've developed the saying, I hope. This is a secular definition. It's not a biblical definition. You see, a biblical definition is not like, ah, maybe it will rain, maybe it won't rain. No, no, no. A biblical definition we can hear in Hebrews 6.19. Listen carefully. This hope is strong and trustworthy. It's an anchor for our souls. You see, the hope that we have as a matter of fact... How many of you believe that when you take your last breath, you will see Jesus face-to-face because you've accepted him as your Savior and Lord? Now you're clapping. Then why don't any of you want to die? I'm asking you a question. Because when I come and visit you in the hospital, you're crying. You know what my my son said to me? I said to him, I said, son, I go, are you going to cry at my funeral because he's such a flatliner? I said, are you going to cry at my funeral? He goes, no. I go, son, I want you to cry at my funeral. He goes, no, I want you crying for me in heaven. I'm stuck on earth. You're with Jesus. I'm not going to cry for you. And I thought to myself, amen, I get that. I still want you to cry. You see, I believe that I'm going to be in heaven. And it's not death that bothers me. I don't know about you. It's the process. I get it. I understand. But I've got a confident hope, like all of you, that when I die, I will see Jesus and he's going to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I don't know about you, but I want him to really mean it when he says it. Like, I don't want him to have to say it. Okay, here's Chet. Well done, good and faithful servant. No, I want him to be excited about me coming home to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. We've got hope, church. We need to live as people of that hope. We can't walk around with sad faces. We can't walk around just waiting for the next miserable event to happen, just waiting for the ball to drop. We're going to heaven, man. We're going to see Jesus face to face, living that hope. (laughs) Not just living that hope. We need to share that hope. We need to share that hope in the way that we live because we live in a world of despair. Just watch CNN watch the news. They go from one bad report to the next, one sad event to the next. Our world needs us to live as people of hope. We need, people need to see the hope that's within us. You see, it's not just in the way that we live. It's in the words that we say. Our world needs us to tell them that there's a savior, that there's something more than this life, that you can be filled and fulfilled and you've tried everything under the sun and you're still empty, but you've got the hope of Jesus. I'll never forget when I was in Iran. I was in Tehran, and I was staying at this hotel for a couple of days, and I was doing a pastor's conference. Over 700 cell churches in Iran. God is doing a miraculous work in Iran. Now, pastor's conferences are a little bit different in Iran than they are here in the United States of America. You don't gather hundreds of pastors, and all of you are worshiping the Lord. No, no, no. You walk on a sidewalk, and you teach the book of Romans. You go to a park, and you sit on a bench, and you teach the book of Genesis, you go to a spa and sit in a sauna and go through the entire first and second Thessalonians one by one. And I would go back and forth to this hotel and I would tell stories of a man whose name was Jesus. Finally, one of the girls that was staying, an Iranian gal, she came up to me and she goes, why are you so happy? I mean... You are happy. No one is happy in Iran. Look at the way that we dress. I mean, you've got khakis and a blue shirt on. We're all in black. That describes our country. This is what she's saying to me. She goes, how are you so happy? She saw hope in me. And you know what I said? I was ready to give her an answer. And I said, what you see in me is who you see in me. His name is Jesus. You see, we've got to be willing to share our hope. That's the Great Commission, to preach the gospel. And I have the hope as a promise from God that he is going to bring revival. Here in L.A., here in Southern California, here in the United States of America, they may call us postmodern, but I believe we are pre-revival. And I believe in my heart that God promised, and I'm going to trust him no matter what I see around me, because when Jesus is in the church, there's hope. Finally, church, would you say it with me? There is love. It's the greatest of these. You see, faith is going to be realized. Hope. We're going to see Jesus face to face. Our hope is going to be realized. Love. Love is going to continue on for eternity. That's why it's the greatest of these. And I believe two things, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, when Jesus was speaking about loving him, he said this, if you love me, obey my commandments. Church, As your senior pastor, I promise to follow in the footsteps of Pastor Jeff. I have followed that man for over 15 years as he has followed Christ. (laughs) We have been in foreign countries together. We've got some stories. Not knowing over the course of our relationship what God was doing. But there's a testimony about Pastor Jeff that he has poured into me. He has loved you. Because when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus responded this way, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And for almost two decades, I have watched Pastor Jeff do that well, pouring that into me. And I want to let you guys know something. I love you, but I really love Jesus. And I want him to know how much I love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, do you love me, Chet? Feed my lambs. And so when I teach, I'm going to use simple words. Not soteriological, eschatological, I can't even say, I'm going to need someone to interpret for these words. Because there are lambs amongst us. There are people that just came came to know Jesus three days ago because you were faithful to share the hope that's within you at work. They don't understand Christianese. They don't understand that sometimes the way that we speak when we walk up and say, hey, how are you? And you go, glory to God, Jesus, hallelujah. They just came to Christ. They don't even know what hallelujah means. And so I want to feed the lambs. But listen, I also want to take care of sheep. And while Andrea and I were away floating on a river, she got news. And a dear saint in our church lost her husband. And she began ministering to that woman because she wants to take care of the sheep that God's entrusted to us. Let me tell you, when you take care of sheep, you get dirty. They pee on you. They poop on you. I've done it. Andrea and I were shepherds in Virginia, West Virginia. We went out because we wanted to learn what it meant to be a shepherd. We prayed long and hard about getting into ministry after we were with those sheep. And I looked at Andrea with the sheep that I had, and I said, This sheep is just like me. Dumb. Hard-headed. I don't know if I could do this. And she goes, The grace of God. And then he said, feed my sheep. I know there are some of you here that have been walking 30, 40, 50 years with the Lord. And we are going to dig deep into Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're going to dig deep into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I am going to study to show myself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit of God to do the rest of the work. My job is to edify and equip you for the work of the ministry, and I want Jesus to know I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I also believe that we're to love our neighbors, ourselves. We're to love people. You see, earlier this month, I gave our leaders the task to go to another church and have another church experience and to come back with something from that church. So, Andre and I, we decided to do it. We went to a couple churches. We decided that we were going to go to a church. We went to one church. We went in. The greeter went, Hello. We sat down. We left. No one reached out to us. No one was like, Hey, how are you? You're new. As I was leaving, I even lingered a little bit, like looking back, like, someone say hello. (laughs) Like, I'm a friendly person. You can like me. There's a lot of people at Calvary Chapel South Bay that actually call me pastor. Not one person spoke to us. It was so different from the experience that we had when we went to New York City and visited Brooklyn Tabernacle. When we walked in, there was such commotion, I thought we were in the subway. <laughs> people were bumping into, forget about it, i People were bumping into, they were hugging each other. And let me tell you, when people from the Northeast hug you, I mean, it's like, whoa, people were like bumping into us, saying hello. There was so much commotion going on, I was so overwhelmed with love, I called Pastor Jim Cimbala. He called me back. Little old Chetlow, I couldn't believe it. And I said, Pastor Jim, your people were out of control. He goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I go, No, no, in a good way. He goes, They were loving on us and they didn't even know who we are. Someone walked up to us and said, Well, you're new. I was like, How do you know there's thousands of people here? And he said something so powerful to me. He said, Let me tell you about my sheep. That just ain't Sunday. That's them. They don't pretend they love. And it reminded me of Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus shows up to the sheep and he says something to them. He says this to them. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. You know what the sheep said? When did we do that? Let me tell you why they asked the question. Because loving people was not a task for them. It defined them. It defined them. And Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done to me. Church, do you know that someone's here new for the first time and they're just lingering, waiting for you to say hello? Waiting for you to bump into them and love them. Now the new people are like, oh great, i got to get out of here quick. (laughs) If you leave, we'll find you. (laughs) You know why? We love you. And it's not just the fact that we love you because you come to Calvary Chapel, South Bay. No, we're to love our neighbor. We're to love all people. Would you stop for just a moment and look at us? Do you see how different and how diverse we are? Do you see? I mean, some people are, I mean, you got hair. I mean, like, you came to church and you did your hair. Like, God bless you. Some of you don't have hair. Some of you are wearing shorts. And some, someone asked me the other day, is it okay for us to wear shorts to come to church? Yes. But some of you have got long flowing dresses on. Do you see how different we are? We represent every tribe, tongue, and nation. We didn't come here to be a social club to only hang out with our clique. We came to love on people. That's what Calvary Chapel South Bay does. Church. There's a bunch of different people out in the world, and I need to let you know something. Calvary Chapel, South Bay, we are not a social club. Love defines you, whether you're sitting in this room or you're at work. Love defines you. Calvary Chapel, South Bay, this building is more like a gas station, and you're the car. You come in, you fill up. The worship and the word inspires you and you get back on the highways and the byways and start calling all people with the hope that's in you. Be ready to give an answer. Be ready to give an answer. Let me tell you these words. Faith, hope, love. This is the reputation of this church. And we're going to build off of that foundation because we're Team South Bay. We're operating from a place of victory. And when we ask the question like the choir said, can you hear me? We respond like the choir, yes, yes. I know that you hear me. I know you can heal my family. I know you can deliver me from this drug addiction. I know that you can redeem my life because the father says, yes, yes. Church, that's for you and me. Like a gas station, when you get filled up, you get back out into that world. You get into the field of the world, and you win souls for the kingdom. This gives God glory, and giving God glory is our ultimate purpose. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. Speaking of Jesus, the servant of God, he says this. You'll see it on the screen. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 3. The Bible says this. You are my servant. And you will bring me glory. Jesus is knocking. I want him to want to come to our church. And I want us all to be able to say, when Jesus comes for his church, I did what you asked me to do. I glorified you on earth. And I believe in glorifying God Together. And so, church, I want to introduce to you Pastor Zach Patterson. Would you please welcome him to the stage? (laughs) Pastor Zach Patterson has joined me here at Calvary Chapel South Bay, and I need to let you in on a little story with Pastor Zach. What's up, brother? I have the mic. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Pastor Zach was a student of mine over 11 years ago. He was a professional soccer player in Europe. He heard about our school of discipleship while, excuse me, football in Europe. He heard about, thank you, I I got it. He watched uh, Juventus in Madrid last night, and so I wanted to make sure I said the right word. Um, And so he heard about Patmos, our school of discipleship. He came to it 11 years ago. I'd never seen him. I'd never known him. I met him the first day. I go home. I have a dream. And I have a dream that him and I are older. Go ahead. No, I know what you're saying.
0: Older. Maybe not the same age. Older. Yeah,
2: we were older. Every time I tell this story, he goes, and you were much older. So... We were older, he was graying, I was graying. We were like really old. And we were carrying two old leather suitcases. And on the leather suitcases were stickers from every country that we had gone to to minister the gospel. So on the third day when I saw him, I looked at him. Now remember, he don't know me, I don't know him. I looked at him and I said to him, dude, pack your bags. You're going to be with me a long time. It's 11 years later. Amen? And God... We have been literally around the world ministering the gospel together, coming out of Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale together, and I also want to invite Audrey, his wife, if you'd come forward as well. Audrey and Zach have four incredible kids. Audrey's a homeschooler, pray for her, Um, and uh, they are incredible kids. And I'm going to ask Pastor Zach and Audrey to close us in prayer today and um, for you to know them coming on staff with me as we purpose to glorify God together. Would you stand as we pray?
0: Father, we're so thankful for your great grace. We all stand because you've had grace on us. And as we're reminded of the testimony of your people and your church, God, we say, yes, amen. That's who we want to be. By faith, we want to we believe you and take you at your word. By faith, we want to look at Los Angeles and say, hey, we're here, we're ready, let's go. And yet we also know, God, um, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, God, in the same breath of having the faith to say, yes, we're ready, we're willing, we just ask you, Lord, would you help us? God, would you pour out your spirit afresh on the church? Thank you, Lord, for years of faithfulness from Pastor Jeff and Connie, who have so faithfully invested and have set the example. And, Lord, we want to follow. We want to follow you wholeheartedly. So, would you use us as you see fit? Would you have your way? God, would you go before us? Would you protect us from behind? And, Lord, would we stand? Would we be those who uh, have that testimony of Hebrews 11, that by faith, we did the impossible? Mm -hmm. So God, would you give us eyes of faith? Would we not look at anything and say, it's too much, it's too big, it's too great, we can't do it. But God, would we have the faith to say, yes, Lord, would you help us? Here we go. So thank you, God, for all that you've done, all that you are going to do. Would you use us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen.